0: Let's do it.
1: to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we will to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. It's 499-9526. And we got all our lines wide open. Just go ahead and give us a call. I'll put you right up at the top of the list.
2: That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call. That's absolutely right. It never fails. Ten, 10 fifty eight. <laughs> they're throwing us out of here and we That's got right. a stand Always full of calls. end
1: up with folks who don't get questions answered or they have to kind of get a rush to answer. You just don't have time to spend with them because they're knocking that's, us out of here. That's it. So, anyway, right now is the time to call. If you want to get through, we'll be glad to put you up at the top of the list. And we got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Uh,
3: look, I have a, a 04 Lincoln Navigator. Okay. And, you know, with the rear air condition, when I turn the, the blower on for the rear air condition mm-hmm. on the passenger side over the wheel well in the back, mm-hmm. it's got a knocking sound.
1: Yes, yeah, so there's a clack, 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 clack. clack yeah does not stop okay no uh,
3: unless I turn the uh, blower off
1: okay normally that is what to call the actuator motor there's a little motor in there and what it does it moves a blend door between hot and cold and that's how it has heat and cold in the back of the truck it, and there's just two cores there the electrical actuator simply moves a door back and forth one way the fan blows through the hot call the other way it blows through the cold call and what happens is a little stepper motor and when you turn that switch it's not actually a switch it's a sensor it sends a signal to a computer which sends what they call counts to the stepper motor and counts are basically move this much move this much move this much and it knows where it's supposed to go now when the motor goes bad it can't establish the home position so what it's doing the computer's sitting there pulsing it clack 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 trying to find the position it's in and generally when that happens it'll either blow hot all the time or it'll blow cold all the time yeah it won't do both yeah it cools fine yeah Um, probably the heater's not working and you don't want to put it on heat because if it happens to clack to the heat then you ain't gonna get the air back so you might want to just leave it on the air until you can get it fixed relatively big job Steve you got to pull that rear case and all out and then there's a little motor in there that you have to change you would really need to make absolutely sure that the computer is sending the correct signal, although I've never seen that be the problem. Theoretically, it could be the problem. Uh, what we would do is hook either a forward scan tool or a digital lab scope to it where we can read the pulse pattern and get the counts on it. If the counts are correct, then the motor's bad right so all that trim on the back on the inside pretty the much car. everything's got to come yeah. out and then the case has to come out and then it's and down the, inside of there
2: if the case has to come out the drain the coolant has to be drained and the refrigerant has to be taken out of the air conditioning system
1: sometimes i'm sometimes not sure on that you
2: one. might be able to roll it out but yeah that's lot, something else you yeah. think to uh, think right. about
1: sometimes you have to discharge the ac because you have to take the core out get to it i'm not 100 sure on, on the navigator but i know on some of the fords you do oh i got you
3: Okay, sounds like a big job.
1: <laughs> it is. Yeah, bigger than most people want to tackle themselves, but sometimes there's an easier way to do it. I just have to get one of the guys to shop to look at and see. Right.
2: All right, All right, man.
1: I okay. appreciate it. Okay, Steve. Thank you, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We'll put you up at the top of the list. Those actuator motors are something, I guess they've been around for a while, probably since the mid-90s, but... They seem to be getting more and more problematic just because they're doing more and more things now. Right.
2: Instead of opening one door, they're opening several There's doors. There's probably four
1: or five doors, and they do dual zone, and they have partial opening. It's not right. just strictly an open-closed type thing. And it works on a pulse-width modulated signal where it sends counts. And I think it's like 256 counts from one end to the other. So 125 would be the middle, close to the middle and, and blah, 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 blah. But if it can't establish the exact position it's in, what they call home, and there's mm-hmm. when you start right. it, it goes from one position, runs to the other position, and back again. And it knows the range and it memorizes that as the home position. When it loses that, then the computer can no longer establish where home is, so it doesn't know where the door is relative to where it wants it to be. Right. So what it'll do is sit there and kind of go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you'll hear that clack, 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 clack. I know General Motors products are real bad about that under the dash in the front. Uh And normally it's when you move your temperature, like if you move it way up or way down is when you're going to get it. And occasionally they'll stick. And when they stick, it'll either blow hot or it'll blow cold when it shouldn't. Some of them are fairly easy to get to. I know on the GM on the left side, like in the Suburbs and Tahoes, that one's fairly easy to get to, about an hour job.
2: Right, but, but the other
1: one, the is one on the buried. right, and some of the mode actuators for the defrost and all, you got to pull almost the whole dash out.
2: Right, they're buried back up inside the dash mm-hmm. on the box.
1: So you got to kind of wonder why they, <laughs> you know, didn't try to make it just a little bit easier. Well, of course, it's like everything made it else made out of warranty. Yeah, well, it's all like evaporator cores that go out a lot and. All they would have to do is put a little access door there, and you could just slip it right out and change it. And right. It'd be an it'd be a, hour job instead Exactly. Of 12 hours to pull the whole dash out the car. But I guess they don't really think yeah. too much about us. Exactly. They don't. <laughs> yeah, the service guy is kind of low on the list of priorities uh, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I heard a guy was telling me one day, he says, the only group that can actually afford serviceability in their vehicles is the military. Uh-huh. And when Abram tank breaks down and you can't, two guys can't fix it with a hammer and a screwdriver,
2: you're to start having fatalities real quick. So exactly.
1: They're built to be serviced real easy. Lots of access doors, lots of that kind of stuff. Of course, they pay a premium price for it, they too. They do. And that's one reason those Humvees are ninety grand, <laughs> because they've got service built into them. Right. So I guess they try and do the best job they can, make it. A vehicle you can afford, trying to meet all the government regulations, trying to build it as cheap as they can, and Man. unfortunately, services department part that usually surfaces. You nailed out when cheap as it. they can. <laughs> hey, give us a call, it's 499-9526. we two six. We'd be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We're going to go ahead and take a quick little break, but we'll be right back with more.
4: AGCO presents CSI Automotive Crime Scene Investigation. Detective, what do we got?
5: Chief, looks like this poor car took quite a beating. I think the owner tried to maintain the vehicle properly, but he took it to the dealership for a transmission service. The
4: dealership?
5: Not Agco? Yep, and instead of quality service, he got a wallet flush. The dealership didn't remove the oil pan or replace the filter. They even used the wrong fluid. Don't
4: let a wallet flush happen to you. Take your vehicle to Agco Automotive, where you can trust our honest, knowledgeable team to do the job right. What kind of monsters treat an innocent car like this?
5: I don't know. But I do know that we need to get this car to AGCO ASAP so they can give it some TLC.
4: Nice acronyms, Detective. Thanks, sir. To learn how to prevent your car from becoming a victim, visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go because taking your vehicle somewhere else could be a crime.
1: This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvarez, and we're Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. It's 499-9526. And just in case you don't get a chance to call in, don't care to call in, something occurred to you during the week.
2: That's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That A-G-C-O. A-U-T-O dot com. Easy way to remember that is to take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. There is a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. Or you can search the vehicle questions, which is a short to the point answer to a particular question. Mm-hmm. And there's also the detailed topics, which you get a real in-depth article on a certain topic. On
1: a particular topic. I put one on there this morning on towing. That's a question That's a we one. get a lot of. And that is, folks will buy a truck... And then they want to tow something with it. And a lot of times they'll ask, is this truck big enough to tow this? And, well, the salesman said this is big enough to tow that, and yah, yeah, yah. Yeah. Right. Surprisingly, what I find from a repair standpoint is that trucks are actually able to haul about two-thirds of their rated capacity. Okay. If you put much more than 60% of the rated capacity on it will pull it. But you're going to start kicking out transmissions, differentials, U-joints, and brake rotors uh-huh. on a pretty heavy basis. So you always want to buy about 30% more than what, what you, you think need. you need. Right. So this article goes into that a good bit. It kind of puts an end to a few other myths. For instance, a lot of folks say, well, I bought a four-wheel drive truck. It'll haul more. No. <laughs> a four-wheel drive half-ton is still a half-ton. It won't haul any more than two-wheel drive half-ton. Right. So that's one of those fallacies that a lot of folks believe in. No, people seem to think if they put bigger wheels and tires on it, will haul more. Or if they put a transmission cooler on it, it's going to haul more. Mm-hmm. All those things may be okay, but they're not going to increase the towing capacity of the design. Transmission is under-designed to haul a certain amount of weight. Putting a cooler is just going to make it be cooler when it fails. <laughs> 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 because heat is one of the things that destroys transmission, but if you physically break apart... Oh yeah! If something breaks because it's not he- designed heavy enough. It doesn't matter if it's cool or not. So th- it goes into that kind of stuff a good bit. It might be a real good article for you to read. Pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. Agco Auto. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines with Daryl. Good morning, Daryl.
3: Morning, guys. How yes, sir. Good, good morning. Okay, I got a think I have an air conditioning question for you. Oh. I got a 2004 Suzuki XL7. Okay. Okay, I got a water on my floorboard. It is not there when I, you know, when I leave the air conditioning off.
1: Okay, yeah, Daryl. Most of the time, well, let me put it this way: the simplest thing, there is a little drain, and yeah, I saw, I saw it. I, yeah, getting there. If you got access to compressed air, uh-huh. that's probably the safest way to try to clear that out. Right. Take compressed air and blow in there, and you may have to do it a couple of times okay. because what happens generally, you get some dust and dirt in there, and it combines mm-hmm. with the water and it plugs that little nipple up. Well, if you blow it out, it's going to blow it back in the case, and some of it's going to run out, but some of it's going to be in there, so it's going to end up plugging up again in time. So you may have to do it two or three times. That's the simplest thing.
2: The thing you don't want to do is shove a piece of wire right. or stick or something like that. that. You can, damage, got,
1: the, that. You can yeah. damage
2: the core in there.
1: Got aluminum mm-hmm. cores, paper thin. Yeah. It's right on the other side of there. So I've seen people stick a coat hanger in there. <laughs> I came close to doing that, guys. Yeah, close. yeah. Well, we hit, you hear it. Yeah. You know you went too far. <laughs> okay. That's my that's, that's $800, sis. I, I, I think I
3: ruined one of my mother's refrigerators a long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I iced up yeah with a
1: knife <laughs> so it it's sizzles at you exactly so uh That's yeah try that first if that doesn't do it it's possible there's a plastic tray inside that actually catches the water and puts it to that vent occasionally those trays will actually break or come loose and it'll leak inside the car for that reason but try cleaning the vent out first that fixes most of them i'll do that. okay there thank you guys thank you ben. all right now bye Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Richard on the line. Good morning, Richard. Hey. Yes, sir. Good morning. got my daughter's 2003 envoy the uh-huh. other day. When I was just sitting there idling, uh-huh. it's like the vehicle
3: shakes. Now, I could put it in neutral and rev it up just a hair, mm-hmm. and it just settled right down. Yeah. So when it's sitting there in idle, it just.
2: A real subtle shake, or is it a
3: kind
1: subtle, of moderate?
3: Subtle to moderate. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, if I if i give it a little gas sitting in there yeah well you just bring it up off idle see so it's
1: gonna quit shaking but are you getting a check engine light at all richard no no check engine tell you the first thing i try you pretty handy not with cars okay (laughs) there's a couple of things that it could be first off would be a dirty throttle body will cause a rough idle like that that's a real easy repair almost any competent shop can do that for you what will make that particularly worse is if you've had the battery changed anytime recently, that's going to make it more pronounced. If the throttle body's dirty, the blade can't close completely. When you disconnect the battery, it loses idle function. It can't relearn idle properly with a dirty throttle body. So it's going to really idle rough for a while after that. If that's not it, it's possible you could have a motor mount or motor mounts. They had a good deal of trouble with that on those vehicles. The reason I asked you if you were handy, if you could take like a floor jack with a block of wood and put it under the oil pan and just ever so slightly lift up on the motor and see if the vibration goes away, then that's how you can diagnose that. But they've had a lot of trouble with the motor mounts on those. They, they tend to pack down, and when they do, the metal touches metal, and it'll cause vibration. Of course, if you give it a little gas, you're just picking the speed of the engine up so it's running a lot smoother and you won't feel it. I mean, almost completely right. goes away with just a little bit of throttle. So those two things probably fix about 90% of the ones we see. Other than that, you would probably have a check engine light if the engine was actually missing any great degree. All
6: right. Well, appreciate it. All answer. right,
1: Richard. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got, Rich has been patiently holding. Good morning, Rich.
6: Hey, how are you doing, Chris? Doing great, good sir. Good morning. Listen, I've got a 93 Dodge Dakota. You've actually, your, your shop has actually worked on it okay, before. Okay, And it looks like my uh, heater blower motor for the heater air conditioner is not working. Okay. And it was kind of making a pretty good noise right before it went out. Yes, sir. I do have a green wire that's hanging down here, and it looks like it, was, it possibly could fit onto some sort of a little silver thing
1: right next to it. Yeah, that's that's, there's what to call a blower resistor which is a little silver cage-looking thing with a bunch of resistors inside of it that makes the speeds for the blower motor. And what happens more times than not on those rich is that the motor actually goes bad. It doesn't physically quit working, but it starts drawing more and more amperage. And inevitably what happens is it either burns one of the connections in half or it melts that little resistor module or something like that, and that's when it quits working. And what most people mistakenly do is they say, oh, here, it needs a new resistor module, so they put a new module on there. And it works for about two weeks, and then wham, it does the same thing again. So what you need to do is find out, number one, why it's not working now, which is probably either a burnt wire or a burnt blower resistor. But also you need to check the amperage draw on that blower motor because if it's pulling too much amperage, then that's just a symptom, and it's just going to recur again. So the fix would be to replace the blower motor and repair the damage that's occurred. Okay. And so the, it'll get bad you enough. You can do it at your place, right? Yeah, so oh, we yes, we can sir. do that for you easily. If you let it go too long, it'll start burning up the wires under the dash. And Dodge is real stupid about not selling those little wires. They want to sell you a whole under dash harness, which is obscenely expensive. So you don't want to let it go. We had one come in the other day and it burned up the pigtail on the back of the switch. And when I call Dodge, they don't sell that pigtail. you got to buy the entire underdash harness, which was like 1000 bucks, which is more than the truck was worth. I mean, th- luckily, we were able to go in and repair it with some uh, spade connectors, and stuff, but you, you don't want to let it go because it'll cause more problems.
3: Okay.
6: Well, I'll give you all a call next week and oh. see what the availability is of getting it in there. Okay, Rich, we right, appreciate you. it, man.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Fire, we would love to have you. We've got Doug online. Good morning, Doug. Hey, Lewis, how you yes, doing? sir. Doing great, sir.
6: I got a 2002 Expedition, another air conditioning problem. Okay. Bought it for my daughter, and the air conditioner wasn't working, so I had it redone, uh-huh. new compressor, and they supposedly blew out all the lines and everything. We're pretty good for a while, but uh-huh. as the summer came on, if the temperature is above 90, and uh-huh. if I got it at full speed on the interstate and stuff, it blows about 70 degrees air.
2: Okay.
6: If it drops into the 80s, it blows in the 40s.
1: Yeah, it's just working under capacity. Mm -hmm. Doug, most likely thing on that is got a leak somewhere and it's lost some of the refrigerant. When it gets low, the efficiency is going to drop. Now, when it's 80 degrees outside, it can still handle it just fine. But when it's 90 or 100, it can't. That's when it's going to start warming up. It's just the capacity of the unit is diminished. That's certainly not the only thing that will do it, but that is by far the most common thing that will do it. You don't think it could be something in, like, the
6: restriction orifice getting plugged up? That Would, would that make it be inefficient? Well, because when I first got in, I was having
1: problems. I, I did try and charge mm-hmm. and set everything. The, the pressures and stuff looked good, but it was still doing the same thing. Okay. Well, if you if you know for sure it's got the right amount of refrigerant in it, you could have a restricted orifice tube. That's another thing that could cause Does it have rear air in it also? Yes, it does. i tell you one thing that's real, real common on those. The front uses an orifice tube, which really doesn't give much problem, but the rear uses an expansion valve. Okay. And if you got any trash that was left from that old compressor, which is pretty common, it'll go right. through and stick that expansion valve in the rear, uh-huh. and the valve is stuck wide open. So what it's doing is just pumping the refrigerant around in a circle. You see, it's only got one compressor, and right. if that valve doesn't close, then the front's not going to get any. It's just going to pump in a big circle to the back. Okay, would the back still be warm as well as the front? It may, because, you see, it's got to actually drop the pressure to make it cool. Right, And if right. that valve's plugged wide open, then both of them may be warm. Okay. See, that's real common on it. Now, what you will pick up with on that, on the gauges, is that the high side and the low side will be closer together than they should be. And there's a high side won't be as high as it should be, and the low side won't be as low as it should be. But it'll be a pretty subtle difference. So if you're not really looking at it or you don't have anybody who's real, real sharp, they may not catch it. Is it easy to get to that easy issue you got to break into that case in the back and it's it's sitting there i guess it's about an hour and a half job maybe that's more common now if you want to just pop the orifice tube out in the front you can do that but see if the orifice in the front restricts the rear will still cool just fine right because that throttle valve will, will make it cool good
6: Right. Well, it's I get the same temperatures out of front and the back. Right.
1: That makes me think more we got something going on in the back. And you have to kind of put gauges on it and determine exactly what the pressures are and all to say for certain. But that sure sounds like it. I mean, we do an awful lot of that, particularly after compressors have been replaced. It's almost impossible to get all the trash out when a compressor goes bad. Right. You uh, Can they
6: diagnose that if it's in cool weather
1: like this? So I need to wait.
6: The one time I took it back, uh-huh. you know, he checked it first thing in the morning. It was cool. And he said, oh, everything's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot easier to do when it's hot for sure. I mean, yes, it can still be done. It's just more complicated. But okay. yeah, if, if you can find, I mean, we still got some hot days left. So I'd probably just call and say, hey, look, man, next hot day is okay if I pop it on by and let you look at it and see. But I would be kind of surprised if it wasn't that rear expansion valve. And you could pretty much take it out, look in there, and there's going to be a little screen, and you'll see a bunch of trash in there. You'll kind of know right there. And it wouldn't hurt to pull the front office out and clean it as well, because generally, if it's in one, it's going to be in both of them. But the office tube has got a pretty good size screen relative to the whole of the office. Okay. So, it, and, and when it plugs, it normally will quit cooling in the front and keep cooling in the back. Okay. Well, All great. Right. I Appreciate it. Okay, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to take one more quick little break and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. AGCO presents
5: CSI Automotive Crime Scene Investigation. Okay, rookie, I got to warn you. Some of what you see at an automotive crime scene ain't pretty.
0: I think I can handle it.
5: Let's see. Looks like the car got one of those discount brake jobs. And of course, the shop used cheap aftermarket brake pads. The owner called us in because the car was squealing and shaking when it braked. Don't let discount repair work cause
4: future problems that cost you more in the long
5: run. Take your vehicle
4: to Agco Automotive, where we use quality parts that provide the lowest overall cost for vehicle
5: repairs. Let me pull this off so you can see the rotors. Oh, my goodness. Yep, warped like the dickens. Well, I think I'm going to be sick. (laughs) Rookie. Looks like we need to get this car to Agco quick. To learn how to prevent your car from
4: becoming a victim, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go because taking your vehicle somewhere else could be a crime.
1: Automotive Army host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call it's 499-9526, and we'll put you right up at the top of the list. A lot of air conditioning questions this morning. Yep. You know, air conditioning is one of those funny, funny things... When you have a problem, what a lot of folks want to do, first off, is to go in and buy them one of those little charge kits and add some more refrigerant to
2: it. And that is the wrong thing to do.
1: Oh, man, that is the absolute worst thing you can do these days, simply because, number one, the systems today are much, much, much smaller than they were just a few years ago. A big system today holds two pounds. Mm-hmm. Smaller systems may hold 12 to 14 ounces. That's a fully charged system. Right. Now, if you take a can of twelve ounces and you dump it into a twelve ounce system that's already fully charged, you just double you charged just it. Double overcharge. And yeah. I'm telling you ten percent is too way too much overcharge. Oh yeah, you'll
2: start tearing things up.
1: Well you start blowing out evaporator cores, killing compressors and all that, and more times than not, the problem has nothing to do with the charge level at all. Right. For instance, very often we'll get a car in and what happens is that the person who owns it will say When I would come to a stop at an idle, it would start warming up. So I had my neighbor add some refrigerant to it, but now it's not working at all. all. When you look at the car, the first thing you see is the condenser cooling motor has gone bad, which Uh is a pretty common thing. There's two motors on there, one for the radiator and one for the condenser. What they do is they look down and see the one for the engine running, so they say, okay, they're working. Fans are okay. Okay. Well, they don't notice that the other one, which can be controlled anywhere from 50% to 100%, it may even be running, but it's not running fast enough. Right. So the high side pressure was too high. That's why it wasn't cooling at an idle. Now, at that point, it was simply a matter of repairing the cooling fan. But by dumping another can of refrigerant, they just destroyed the compressor right. and the evaporator, and it still got to fix the cooling fan. <laughs> so we took a $250 repair job and turned it into a $2,200 repair job.
2: Yeah, easily.
1: And not only that but once a compressor goes bad on a car it's all but impossible on a modern system to ever get all the trash out of the system
2: especially with the 134a now you're running smaller orifices in the condensers and
1: took a 134a condenser and cut it and looked in there and saw how tiny those little holes are are running through there
2: doesn't take much to plug them up
1: and there are just thousands and thousands of yards of holes i mean it's just tubes running everywhere one little tiny piece of metal gets lodged in there. You can flush till the cows come home. You're not going to get, gonna it, get out. it out. However, when you put that new compressor on, about six months down the road, it decides to dislodge, go back through. <laughs> guess well, where it ends up? Yeah, I mean,
2: there's a compressor. You up can't
1: again. compress a piece of metal. So when it goes through that compressor, it's history. Well, now the problem is worse because now you got two compressors that have come apart. Right. So it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's kind of, I guess, where the old deal about you know, once the AC breaks, you just never can fix it, right? Well, that's why. It's yeah. just all but impossible. And so, therefore, the focus needs to shift from just going out and doing something to diagnosing the problem and getting a proper repair as soon as possible.
2: And that's not just air conditioning. Well, that's, that's true of that's everything. Any, anything on a the vehicle. Mm-hmm.
1: There's just nothing on a vehicle that's going to get better, it's not going to heal. So, waiting is only going to make it worse. It's and going more to end expensive. up costing considerably more down the road. Yep. And like I say, that's particularly prone on air conditioning, but as you wisely pointed out, that's very, very true of everything on the car nowadays. I mean, how often do we see someone will come in and they're losing just a little bit of coolant? So they can't find the leak, so they just keep dumping antifreeze or water into it, even worse. Next thing you know, the check engine light pops on. Well, they go ahead and they look at it it's an oxygen sensor, so they put a new oxygen sensor in it. Well, a few weeks later, a few months later, the light pops on again, well, now it's a catalytic converter. Well, they put a catalytic converter on it. Then a few months later, the light pops on again. the oxygen sensor again. Well, what's what happening don't... here is they're treating the symptoms. They're right. not treating the problem. The problem is the intake gaskets are leaking. It's ingesting coolant, and that coolant's going through the exhaust stream, which is what knocked out the oxygen sensor in the first place. The same coolant ends up knocking out the catalytic converter, then ends up knocking yeah, out mother. the oxygen sensor again. In the interim, it's also getting into the engine oil, which is wiping out the engine. So... Even though in some cases folks may want to do the right thing, they thought they were doing the right thing, but they didn't get to the right person. They didn't get to someone who could actually diagnose the problem.
2: Right. Fix the problem, not address the symptoms.
1: Mm -hmm. And boy, that just happens so, so, so often. One of the things I think that drives that kind of problem in the trade is I know several, several, several times a week I'll get to call. How much is it to do? Blah, 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 blah. How much is it to do? Blah, 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 blah. Well, they don't have a clue what it is they really need. All they know is what somebody told them they needed. So they are calling around trying to get a price, and you try to explain to them, but many times they get mail, well, I just want a price. Well, we don't know what's wrong, so we can't talk about a price. Exactly. Until we know what's wrong. we got to fix the problem, or this is going to get so expensive that you're just not going to be able to afford it.
2: And that's probably where they're at now.
1: Well, that's right. Many times I had a guy call me, how much is the radiator for so such, such Well, I don't know because I don't know what's wrong with it. Well, I'm telling you, radiator. Well, you don't know that either. Well, I want radiator. Uh Well, he ends up putting a radiator in it. Well, about two weeks later, the the new radiator's in pieces because he's got a blown head gasket, and that's what blew the first radiator out. Exactly. So basically, you just wasted about $400 to diagnose the blown head gasket.
2: And you know, some people, they're persistent enough, they can get what they're asking for. Well,
1: unfortunately, what happens is that when you start calling around like that, the better shops are going to sound implausible because they're not going to tell you what you want to know. So Uh you're going to hang up and rule them out. And you're going to find the guy who's either a shyster or who's totally incompetent and doesn't know any better. That's the one who's going to see you the most plot. So you're kind of ruling out everybody that can help you. Exactly. And focusing yourself on the folks who are going to take advantage of you. Exactly. And, yes, one of the reasons why we have so many problems in the automotive repair business with those kinds of horror stories. I brought the car in, and the guy told me it was going to be $200. It ended up costing $1,000. I'm still having problems, blah, 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 blah. I'm not blaming it on anybody in particular, but I'm just saying if you're not getting the results you need, you got to change you the procedure you're using.
2: You haven't found the right shop for you. That's
1: right, and most often I would say it's because of the procedure you're using to try to, to locate try to find a shop. A shop. Mm-hmm.
2: There's actually a article on the website how there to select is a great shop. How
1: to select a great shop, and I would really ask everybody to go in and just kind of read through that and familiarize yourself with it. I know we get folks from all over the world who email me and. They say they've used that and all the other articles on the shop. In fact, I had a guy actually email yesterday wanting to know if he could translate part of the shop into Arabic. Really? Yeah, he said they got a site they're trying to get together in the Middle East, and they're really impressed with the content we had. Uh-huh. So I'm like, well, sure, I'd be honored to have you. That'd be great. Translate it, you know, as long as you say who wrote it. There you go. <laughs> Give me <laughs> credit, your credit for it. credit's due, right? That's right. So. But it's just that very, very, very often we have problems that tend to go on and on and on and on. And we never stop to think that why we have these problems is the way we're going about doing things.
2: Right, and, and that, that's with anything in your life, not just an automobile. ain't right,
1: that true. If you look at the at the problem that the United States government's having, I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
2: do we want to go there? Today? No, not at all. But
1: so much of it is just the procedures and the way they're doing things. Right. Absolutely ensures they're going to have problems, right. and it ensures the problems just going to get worse and worse and worse. And if you keep on doing the same thing. It's a,
2: well, you keep like doing the same thing, expecting a different, different results. Yeah, that's one yeah. of the
1: definitions of insanity, I there believe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so when you do have a problem of any kind, the first thing to do is to look around and find the guy who can help you. Now, how might you go about selecting a good shop? Well, number one, you could ask friends who they've gone to and if uh-huh. they were happy with them. Another thing you can do is actually call the competition. Call somebody who's in the same line of work and ask them about the other guy. Say, what do you think about X, Y, Z? Well, you know, he's a a competitor, so he's not ever going to give you a glowing review, obviously. But, well, yeah, just ask him two questions. Is he honest and is he technically competent? Mm -hmm. Because really and truly, that's the only two things that matter. That's right. If the guy is honest, then any price he charges you will be fair. Fair. Because he's an honest man. He's not going to take advantage of you. If he's technically competent, then he can fix your car. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, if either one of those is missing then Then it doesn't matter. So you just call around and ask that question rather than call around asking price because you don't know what Is even wrong with the car. I know you think you do. (laughs) But so, 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 so often, that is not going to be what's wrong with the car at all. Well,
2: that's it. You know, we see symptoms treated all day long. Oh, every single day. Changed all these parts. Mm -hmm. They're treating the symptoms. Well, absolutely. Haven't got down to the root cause
1: yet. Sure. And boy, it's just so expensive. And I had a guy that car was in earlier this week and made him pretty happy. But his car has been tied up for, I think, going on three months trying to get it running. Okay. They've changed the fuel pump, they've changed the engine computer, they've changed, I don't know, the distributors, several other things.
2: That was the Taurus?
1: No, this was actually a little General Motors product. Okay. What Jeff actually found was a broken wire in the harness up in the front by the oil pressure sender unit. And okay. it wasn't getting a signal of oil pressure to the engine, so it was disabling the <laughs> fuel pump. And I, mean, I kind of felt sorry for the guy. Yeah. He says, I spent over $1,000 trying to fix this problem, and y'all found it in 30 okay. minutes and fixed it in an hour. Yeah. So you just got to take a little different approach. And if you're not, you know, if you're getting absolutely perfect results where you're at, and oh, yeah. you're at a certain shop and they're giving you great results. You like happy, it there. Hey, that's wonderful. That's you found the right shop. That's right. But if you're not pleased with the results you get, then you got to do something different. You got to change the way you go about trying to find a shop. Right. And I mean, the lecture people, but that's, <laughs> uh, that's one of the good articles that is on that website, how to select a good shop. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. we got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good
0: morning. That caught the end of your show week before last. Okay, and that was a very tail end. And I, I wanted you know, to say change all every five thousand and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just tell me what you recommend, and that's what I'm going to do it because I've always done it at three thousand. Yes, yeah, sir, Bob.
1: What kind of car you got? and How do you drive it?
0: It's an Avalon. Okay. And got Tacoma truck.
1: How do you drive them? I mean, do you you like most people? Your average trip is five miles or so. Well, we or do you make go a, on the highway a lot? Yeah,
0: we, we make a few runs back and forth to Lake Charles, and we go into to Texas and that kind of stuff. So we do get some highway miles. I it, guess you say primarily it's short stuff.
1: Yeah, what it comes down to, Bobby, if your average trip is five miles or less, and most people is, then if you read Toyota's service data, they will say that is considered severe service. Okay. And... It's kind of misleading because what they got in there, they say, okay, under normal conditions go 5,000 miles, under severe conditions go 3,000 miles. Well, nobody sees themselves as being severe. But if you read their definition, it really ought to be under ideal conditions go 5,000 and under normal conditions go 3. Because almost everybody falls under severe conditions. For instance, if you operate the vehicle in temperatures over 95 degrees. Well, where are you going in South Louisiana where it ain't over 95 degrees? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Or if you sit, extend it, stop, and go driving. Well, you come through there that again. red light on Corset <laughs> Boulevard, and you're going you, you to be sitting there for two or three minutes. So almost everybody falls under severe conditions. Now, if that's the case, then you need to be doing it at 3,000.
0: Okay. Well, that's what I've been doing, so why change now? That's right. i tell uh, you. That little uh, the Toyota diesel I had, I had over uh-huh. 200,000 miles oh, yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked just fine, and I kept it up pretty
1: well. You know, one of the few problems we're starting to see on the Toyota since they've gone to this extended all-change thing, they've had to actually buy back a bunch of cars for engine sludge problems. Okay. So I'm surprised they hadn't backed off of that recommendation yet because they, okay. they're having some trouble with that. All right. And if you, let's say you lived in Lake Charles and you worked in Baton Rouge and you drove that every day. Uh-huh. That was your average trip. Well, yeah, you can go 5,000 miles like that right? because right. that all is up to 212 degrees. It's balling out the moisture. And the PC system sucking out moisture. You know, that all lasts a long time like that. But the most people on the road aren't going to drive that way. Gotcha. And with those short trips, you need a lot of oil changes.
0: Okay, okay. And I saw one of them, a friend of mine, he said they recommend 7,500. Oh, think, I know. Well, I oh, can't yeah. believe all that. They're
1: getting crazier and crazier with that. And a lot of that is just predicated on trying to sell new cars. Right. Because if, right. let's say your car lasts you 80,000 miles, yeah, you're pretty happy. Well, now all of a sudden it's got a rod knocking and it's burning a lot of oil and rear main seals <laughs> leaking. Well, what are you going to do? You're uh-huh. going to buy a new car. Not only that, but see, you just took that car off the used car market because it ain't worth fixing now. Right. So it's pretty smart marketing on their part. They just got rid of the two biggest competitors. One is people keeping their cars longer and the <laughs> other one is used cars. <laughs> I got it. <you. laughs> they just wiped them both out with one thing. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I'm going to
0: just stay, do what I've been oh, doing. Oh, absolutely. And I got to do it myself, you know? Yeah, that that's great. Stuff. That's great. Okay, well, I certainly thank you okay, for your time. Then. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, sir. All right.
1: Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick little break. David, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. AGCO presents A
4: CSI Automotive Crime Scene Investigation. Detective, what do we got? Chief,
5: looks like this poor car took quite a beating. I think the owner tried to maintain the vehicle properly, but he took it to the dealership for a transmission service. The dealership? Not Agco? Yep, and instead of quality service, he got a wallet flush. The dealership didn't remove the oil pan or replace the filter. They even used the wrong fluid.
4: Don't let a wallet flush happen to you. Take your vehicle to Agco Automotive, where you can trust our honest, knowledgeable team to do the job right. What kind of monsters treat an innocent car like this?
5: I don't know. But I do know that we need to get this car to AGCO ASAP so they can give it some TLC.
4: Nice acronyms, Detective. Thanks, sir. To learn how to prevent your car from becoming a victim, visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go because taking your vehicle somewhere else could be a crime. <laughs>
1: Just join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us calls? 499 9526. And we're going back to our lines with David. Good morning, David. Morning. Yes, Good sir. morning
6: listen i've got a uh, 2003 toyota tacoma and i changed the battery in the thing yesterday uh-huh. the battery was gone bad at yes, four sir. years old since then it's island rough and yes, i got sir. a check engine light do i need to reset something
1: well you see the idle rough is because it loses idle function when you disconnect the battery okay now technically it should relearn except that if the throttle body is dirty which a lot yes. of times it is the old computer settings had a, sort of adapted to that over time When you disconnect the battery, you lost all those, it can't relearn. So you may have to go in and clean the throttle body before it's going to relearn idle. The check engine light, you just have to check it, but it's probably something about can't control idle, idle too low or something like that. So it's probably all the same issue. You're pretty handy, David. Yeah, yeah. Go and get throttle body cleaner and don't try to use anything else because those throttle bodies are actually anodized. And if you put something real strong in there, you'll burn the anodizing off and then it won't ever idle again. Right, but okay. real carefully clean the throttle body and the blade, and okay. then you may have to disconnect the battery again and open the car door to let the battery go dead completely, hook okay. it back up and see. If, and it'll take it a little bit to learn what right. you have it, to do. Basically, it seems what like you,
6: it's getting a little better.
1: Yeah, it'll it try to learn, but it's not going to be able to learn with a dirty throttle body. So oh, what okay. you want to do is you want to first crank it up, let it sit there, park, and let it idle okay. for just a couple minutes. The air conditioning off. Right. Okay. When it gets to where it's idling okay, turn the air conditioning on. Okay. Let it, it's going to stumble a little bit, and then it'll come back smooth. Then after it smooths out, drop it down and drive with your foot on the brake. And then when okay. it smooths out, you'll already set the, the most of the parting things, and it can learn from there. Okay. All All right,
6: sounds good. Thanks. Okay,
1: man, thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Melvin on the line. Good morning, Melvin.
3: Hey, look, I'm calling about my old pickup truck. Okay. It won't start. It's a 96F250, power okay. stroke decent. Okay. I found some problems in the wiring harnesses on the injector.
1: Uh huh.
3: And the glow plug on the back set. Yes, sir. On both sides, uh-huh. I repaired that. Change. Have you checked the fuel pressure on it? Check the fuel pressure. Yes. Sir. Cranking over on the battery is 45.
1: You got 45 at the lift pump going into the injectors.
3: Yes, sir. on that. Let me ask you this, Melvin: up.
1: How fast is the engine cranking? Fast. So I got two good batteries, in Okay, it? because a power stroke, if it's turning, I think it's got to hit about 450 to 500 rpms for it'll start. And I know if it cranks any slower now, it'll spin like the devil, but it won't fire off. Right. You'd ha- the next step, you'd have to go in and see if those injectors are actually firing, if you got adequate fuel pressure, because the way that one works, the lift pump just puts the pressure up to the injectors, but the injectors actually compress the fuel themselves. And unless all eight injectors went bad at one time, which is probably not much chance of that, it's more likely going to be an electrical problem. Got that inverter and all underneath the uh, intake, the 110-volt inverter that operates the injectors. It might have a problem in there. Even if the glow plugs were all bad, it would probably still try to start as hot as it is. You know, it it doesn't need the glow plugs as warm as it is outside. Right. So it's most likely going to be some kind of a electrical issue. Now, there may be a fuse or a relay on that. I'm not sure because I don't work on it myself. (laughs) If you uh, send me an email, I like a relay or a fuse or something that works that inverter setup that actually fires the injectors off.
3: Okay, let me tell you one thing I've done. they got four relays. There's an engine control relay or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what it said, but I swapped it in the horn relay around. Yes, sir. And the thing cranked up, uh, but it wasn't running good. Yeah. Now, I had a timing uh, crank camshaft code on it. Yes, I went sir. ahead and put a new one of them on there. Since then, it ain't, it won't crank at all.
1: Yeah, see, it could have been not the cam sensor. It could be like the crank sensor, which will set a cam sensor code because the two aren't syncing with each other. You wow. really need to get this thing somebody who has some equipment and knows what to do with it, Melvin, because you're going to throw parts at it from now on.
3: Right, right. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm at, at my end with it. Yeah, uh, just have it towed uh, to the do shop. Work on
1: them? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. yes, sir. yes sir. I got one guy that does nothing but that. You tow it over there, I will fix that I pretty have quick. I'll it Monday morning. Okay, man. <laughs> All, right, All right, Melvin. Thank All you, man. Bye-bye, 499 Number, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. That's one of those things. If you get a cam code, a lot of times it's not the cam sensor. It's the crank sensor won't sync with the cam sensor. Right. So it's, it can be kind of misleading. It's sort often. of like when you get a misfire code on some of your GMs with the duo call packs, you may get a misfire on cylinder number one, and actually cylinder number three call is bad. And what it's doing it's sucking all the energy out of the second side so on the second cycle it can't fire the next time right so you got all kinds of little idiosyncrasies like that that can throw you off when you're trying to do diagnosis if you're not real knowledgeable
2: and that that comes with experience and a lot of knowledge about how the systems work
1: that and a very logical way of thinking is what's required if you get away from a logical path of thinking you're going to end up with trouble I know I've told this story a million times about the guy with the height compensator valve on the back of a Toyota and wearing front brakes out real fast. He had changed everything under the sun. I told him to check and see if the rears, well, the rears look like new. Well, they look like new because they're not working. Exactly. So he said, what do you think it be? I said, well, it was a height compensator valve back there. So let me check that. So he calls back. He said, yeah, that was it. I said, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do you know it was it? He said, well, I checked the pressure coming out of it. It's supposed to have 1,200 pounds. It only has 600 pounds. Right. So okay. Did you check the pressure going into it? Your line goes dead. <laughs> he didn't check the pressure going into it. So right. he was fixing to throw a thousand dollar part on here without logically thinking this through, if you only got 600 going in, you only gonna get 600 coming out,
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> whether it's good or bad. So anyway, he finally brought the car to the shop and we checked, we found a crushed line from the master cylinder up to the valve, uh-huh. repaired the line and, and bam, the problems fixed. Gone. The point is you just got to use a logical approach. You can't just start doing it. It's not like ready, fire, aim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to use a little bit more logical approach than that. We got Wayne online. Good morning, Wayne. Morning. Yes, Good sir. Morning.
3: I've got an 06 Durango uh-huh. that my camshaft position sensor has gone out on me three times.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I heard you talking about the camshaft position yeah. sensor versus crank sensor on a Ford. Yes, sir. Would it be the same thing on a Dodge?
1: That's pretty much true on anything, Wayne. And see, when you say it's going out, what's happening, I'm assuming, is that you're getting the truck won't start or something it starts running bad. You check it as a code. You change the sensor, and it runs okay for a while. Well, see, it,
3: it'll start running real rough on us mm-hmm. and it actually die going down the road. Right. If you turn the key all the way off and then start it right back up, it right. runs fine for a while.
1: Right. But see, you go in, you change the sensor, you move all the wires around. Well, it runs okay for a while until the actual problem comes back again. What you're doing, you're treating the symptom. You're not treating the problem. Yes. Yeah, that sensor doesn't keep going out. It's just you're not hitting the right problem. We see that a lot. You'll go in there and you'll do something, and inadvertently, when you do that, maybe you do something else. You know, you you move some wires around or something, and that fixes the problem. So okay. it, at least temporarily. Well, you change the sensor in your mind. Well, I changed the sensor. It worked last time, so I'll do that again. But it's not very likely the sensor keeps going out. More likely, just the original problem is not being found, and yeah. just when you're changing that, it's just kind of covering it up for a little while. But yeah, a crank sensor and a cam sensor work together. And when one gives a bad signal, it can cause the other. Now, also, Wayne, very common on those is not the sensor itself, but the connector to the sensor. We change an awful lot of those. You may have a bad connector, and what you do is when you change it, you're shaking it around and getting it to work. So anyway, try that and see. And if not, give me a call, and I'll be glad to look at it for you. Hey, you want to get on out of here? We're just about totally out of time tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on the automotive hour
2: we'd like to thank all our podcasters that listen every week tell your friends and get some more on there
1: that's right hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend